welcome to the How to Love the Shit Out of Life podcast. I'm your host, Sally Ann Hurley, and I'll be loving the shit out of a variety of topics with you. I hope each episode brings you insight, inspiration, and positive vibes. So let's get into it. So welcome to another episode of the How to Love the Shit Out of Life podcast. Today, I am joined by Felicity Fernandez, who is here to share her story on living with chronic fatigue syndrome. Felicity runs a Facebook page called Chronic Illness Fighters, regularly giving insight into her battles, struggles, and strength. Chronic illnesses are becoming slightly more understood and less taboo of a topic which is why I felt it was important to have Felicity on the podcast to inspire others. So welcome, Felicity. Thank you for having me. No worries. I thought to start us off, you could explain a bit about chronic fatigue syndrome and your journey with this illness so far. Yep. Um, So chronic fatigue syndrome is also known as myalgic encephalitis or ME, as some people call it. When I was first diagnosed, I actually wasn't aware that some people identify with both CFS or ME, um, one or the other. So I wanted to acknowledge the whole community in that sense. But today I'll be discussing purely my journey with my diagnosis of CFS. It took six months of endless doctor trips, multiple blood tests, um, never-ending fatigue to the point I couldn't walk properly um, just for my CFS to be diagnosed. Um, It was a very long six months of unanswered questions and um, not really sure what what my life had in store for me at that point. Um, I remember being really scared because I actually thought I had cancer because a lot of the symptoms at first, like when you Google, which you should never do, (laughs) um, a lot of the symptoms actually lined up with different cancers, but there was never enough of the symptoms to be exactly linked to one. So it was always like scary reading them, but I was like, oh, but I don't have that symptom or that symptom. So maybe it's not that. So I stopped Googling after a while because um, that was scary, but um, they ended up like telling me that the doctors ended up saying that I had post-viral syndrome. Um, And that was from having had glandular fever at some point. So they couldn't tell me when I had had it. And I don't even remember having anything that resembled that illness. I don't remember any flus or something that year that was worse than a normal flu or anything like that. I don't remember anything out of the ordinary, but apparently it occurred. And that's what led to this, um, I guess, post-viral symptoms at that point. And then eventually it was diagnosed to be CFS but that was another six months later of the same symptoms unfortunately as they told me CFS can't be cured um and there's still no cure but it can be managed um and they also don't know the real cause for CFS but can only go off possible links like glandular fever so for me it's kind of disappointing to be diagnosed with something that's still not well known but this ME and CFS community have come a long way since um way back when yeah. but there's still a long way to go in regards to understanding and treatments and research and cures so my main symptoms besides the overwhelming fatigue is muscle weakness um so basically that's where my limbs feel so weak that I feel like I could collapse at any moment or that they're just going to give way um, while I'm doing something else. Um, I get numbness in the legs, 
which is very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm laying down, because um, it mostly happens when I'm laying down, I don't feel from my waist down. That's a weird feeling. Um, <laughs> I could just be laying there and I'd like to move, but then like I feel like I can't. Brain fog is another one. So basically that's just another terminology of just saying like loss of concentration, like not able to... Um, I guess, like speak coherent sentences. So sometimes if I'm really not well or something, like I'll just come out with the most random things when I'm trying to say a different word. Right. And um, yeah, it's, it's a weird. Um, and sometimes I feel like I get, um, as well as the numbness, my body feels like lead. So there's two different like contrasts there. Like I'll be laying in bed and I feel like someone's pushing down really hard mm-hmm. on my legs. And then I can't physically move that way as well. Um, sometimes that happens in my arms, but it's mostly my legs because obviously I walk all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's my most um, used part of the body. So um, that's probably the worst. So one of the things that I've noted is that like what one person experiences can differ from others. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I would categorize my CFS as most severe when I was first diagnosed in 2014. Right. But since then, I would say maybe I'm mild. Just depends on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because since 2014, like I've learned to read my body, rest as much as I can, always have a plan B. I've been able to slowly work up strength in my body because I do exercise physiology. For I've been doing that for a couple of years now. Where I'm at today um, has taken a long time to get to. Yeah. Um, and a lot of hard work, a lot of frustration, a lot of tears, a lot of flares. Um, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and like the biggest way I, I notice the difference is I'm able to do gym sessions, obviously when they're open at the moment, but I'm able to do gym sessions, um, which shows like how much my body's improved because I'm able to, well, I used to be able to go to the gym twice a week, plus do my normal chores around the house, plus go to work or do uni for a whole day. And I'd still be okay, which is very unlikely most of the time. So um, that's good. But also in saying that my CFS diagnosis also led to me being diagnosed with depression as well, um, which is not uncommon for those with this illness because of like the isolation and just all those kind of emotions going on after the diagnosis. From about 20, maybe 2016 onwards, I think I was a bit more open about my mental health as well, because it was like, it started to take a toll, I think probably 2014, but I think I was just more open about it a couple of years later when I, yeah. when I got a bit stronger. So yeah, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Yeah. It's, um, it's really fascinating in a way, I guess, because for someone who doesn't have a chronic illness, um, and as I've said to you kind of off air earlier, I've got a few friends that, that have different chronic illnesses and learning, about their stories and, and hearing your journey as well. I'm guessing that through your page, you're, you've obviously connected with a lot more people that have, whether it's the same chronic illness as you or other ones. Um, so what are some of your tips or piece of a, pieces of advice that you give to say some of the people on your page or just people you come into contact with when it comes to managing chronic fatigue syndrome? Well, that's a hard one for me because a lot of people don't really approach me about illnesses in in particular. But people have asked in general, like I think over the years, like I have had conversations with people, but I can't think off the top of my head. But 
when I um, think about it, like my biggest piece, well, I have a few pieces of advice actually that I've learned over the years that does come up in conversations. So my first one is it's good to take on medical professional suggestions, but really um, at the end of the day, the only person that understands your body is you. Yes. Um, And it took me a very long time to understand that myself. And the only reason why that came about for me to have that mentality was because you know, it took six months for doctors to even believe I had more than just post-viral. Yeah. Um, and even prior to that, that diagnosis of post-viral, it, t- it took weeks for them to even realise something was wrong with me. Mm. Um, and that was very frustrating because you reach out to the medical community who are supposed to be there to help you in, in whatever way and they don't always have the answers, which, you know, with recent technology and research and whatnot, like it is, you know, like people are still learning, but at the same time, if you reach out to someone and you're asking for help because that's where you're directed to go to when you need medical help and they can't help you or they don't believe you, that's very frustrating. Um, And it doesn't really matter what they say because at the end of the day, they're not living with their illness. They can only give you what they've been taught um, about how to manage it and that can be very frustrating as much as it's their job and they have to do that at the same time, they're not going home with it and they're not living around it. Like they're still, you know, doing their profession at work and we still have to live with it. So I've kind of learnt that whilst you can take on their advice and maybe it does work for some people just depending on what it is, um, you know, I eventually figured out my own routine with my body. Like I was happy to try different vitamins and probiotics just to help boost my immunity. I eventually learnt after research and also just like researching myself, I guess, like what my triggers were and then how to manage those triggers, which took some time because at first I was very stubborn and I didn't want to believe that I had an illness. Yeah. Like I was very like, oh yeah, whatever, I'll just push through it. But then after a while I was like, oh, maybe I should just like actually rest and then see what happens afterwards so because of that I can now tell when a flare is coming on and then when I should rest or um I've learned to have a backup plan in case that if I do need to go like to a big day out or something like that I will make sure that I rest the day before or that day and just do minimal tasks so then I'm actually have more energy for that outing so then it's not ruined by me having to leave early or something like that yeah my other piece of advice yeah is just to always listen like to your own body and do what you feel is best because that at the end of the day you're the one that has to live with it and it's just better if you listen to yourself basically I mean it kind of goes to that notion of trusting your instincts and and your gut about things so um I can understand that from the outside hearing what you're saying that it is about trusting what your body is telling you and what, you know, maybe your heart and your head are saying as well. So um, it sounds kind of like you have a bit of a, a combination of you have, you know, your good days, you have your bad days. So I thought if you could share Felicity, you know, what a good day looks like in your life and maybe what a more challenging day looks like in your life. Uh, so it's hard to pinpoint what a good day is for me because I just live each day as it yeah. comes but to try and put it into words I would say it's a day where I feel symptom free so where I can get up from bed as soon as I'm awake without having to struggle um where I can easily just walk to the bathroom to the kitchen wherever yeah so nothing that like I immediately feel is triggering anything it's just a day where I fear get I guess that I'm chronically ill 
Um, But then challenging day is obviously the opposite. So it's when I take, you know, maybe an hour or two to get out of bed where I know that I'm not going to function properly. It's like muscle weakness, doing the simplest of tasks, like holding a book, my phone, cooking. If I have trouble walking or getting disorientated or have a headache, I know that it's obviously probably one of the worst days. Um, So I, I know I need to just do nothing and stay in bed. But if that happens on a day where I have to work or I need to do some uni work, um, I'll just do what needs to be done for that day and then just um yeah basically just assess what's priority and then um just do anything that's minimal like low energy tasks um to get through the rest of the day um and then basically just rest afterwards Mm. so it sounds kind of like those good days um and as you said it's hard to put into words sometimes but it seems like it's those little things that you know, maybe the rest of us are taking for granted. And I think that's, you know, kind of important to note during this time. Um, Obviously, we're recording this while the coronavirus is kind of gripping the world. So I know I'm taking a lot of steps at the moment to be more grateful for the little things that I can't do at the moment. Is gratitude something that is really big for you and something that I guess you practice and you you think about a lot? I guess, like, especially on the good days, um, I kind of remember, like, like how far I've come because I'm so used to always having to live around the illness and making sure I'm taking baby steps or just steps to you know decrease the flare or whatnot so when it's um a good day where I'm able to um do something without flaring I kind of yeah I'm very grateful but I also get like this overwhelming feeling of like pride or sometimes I get teary depending on what the activity was and I'll realize that oh my gosh this is the moment that I've been waiting for like I've been fighting to get to one memory I can think of off the top of my head was a couple years ago I think I just started um, exercise physiology or maybe it was just before that but obviously I've been doing something different um, during that time and I remember at my in-laws house my fiance's cousin's son he wanted to jump with me on the trampoline mm-hmm. now his family was trying to tell him like no no go jump with someone else but he was really like adamant that he wanted to jump with me yeah. and so I was like oh, I'll do it like I'm not gonna say no He's, he doesn't understand he was too young at that time yeah. um so I was jumping with him on the trampoline and obviously that constant motion of your muscles moving like that it does take a toll but I actually realized that I was fine during that time and then when I got off I wasn't as shaky or anything like that so I kind of realized that things were working what I was doing at that time was starting to increase my um muscle strength so moments like that was like really it was amazing because it had been so long since I'd been able to do such a easy activity but what like that I remember writing about on my page because it was just something I hadn't done in so long and I was so surprised by just how much my body had started to adapt because I think what I actually did at that time was um the year before I started physical culture again um which is fizzy for people that know what physical culture is um (laughs) and yeah like I started doing that to try and improve my body's abilities and then the year after I started exercise physiology so I was slowly moving in steps uh to increase my body's endurance and so at that point I realized that I was doing something right and I needed to continue Um, And it has led to many other moments as well of like 
pure joy after that moment mm. um, of different activities. So, yeah, I would say gratitude is definitely a big one for me because um, in moments like that, that's all you can really feel. I guess going back to your page, you, you mentioned that you shared that story on your page. So, um, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, Felicity has a page called Chronic Illness Fighters on Facebook um, and you share whether it's your daily challenges or the things that you overcome. Putting yourself out there publicly can be you know, a scary thing and particularly you're sharing something very personal. I guess I wanted to get insight into what positives have come out of you being so open about your journey on that page. I think that there's a lot of positives, so I won't he- be here for a while. That's okay. <laughs> um, but I'll choose maybe my top five if I can narrow that down. Um, so firstly, um, well, before I get to the page, when I first started the page, I also became a lot more vocal on in- like my personal Instagram. Right. Um, and it was through that that I actually found um, a chronic illness community or a spoonie community for those who know the terminology. And that is where I made a lot of online friends um, who either had the same illness as me or something different but similar symptoms or at least similar feelings about loss of um, productivity and independence and things like that so we were able to connect in a way that we had a chronic illness and invisible illness as well that was probably my biggest thing that I actually made friends so the isolation period I felt um, when I was first diagnosed um, started to obviously decrease because I actually had people to talk to there's a lot of people in that community who I still keep in contact with but being busy so much now I don't really um showcase as much on Instagram as I do my illness page but a lot of those people do follow my illness page now because I've obviously promoted it enough for them to see that I have one and if they want to participate in anything because of that connection one of my proudest moments I would say from sharing my battle publicly is one year uh, I think it was 2018 um, for Invisible Illness Week which I tried to do an event each year on my chronic illness page and Instagram page Um, I decided to uh, do a call out to see if anyone wanted to share their story about their invisible illness and I ended up having around 28 I think people participate and they were from around the world wow so it wasn't just people from Australia it was people from the UK the US um and a lot more other places and it was it was amazing actually um just to see how much we were all connected in some way yeah um that there were to participate and they're willing to share their story and that was that was probably my one proudest moments to be honest because that was just amazing to share and had so many people engage on the page that that year or that that week I think another thing that's come out of it is my family and friends are a lot more understanding of my triggers right um and they're aware that that I can't do things as effortlessly or at all and they accommodate to that so I'm not really feeling left out as I was when I was first diagnosed because a lot of people actually understand, you know, how far I've come and, and what I do to prevent flares and, and what happens when I have a flare. And my friends are really understanding about that. So um, that's really cool. And I'm very grateful for that. Mm. And my family, obviously, as well, I have a very, like my immediate family, um, are very understanding and my partner and my in-laws as well. So I'm actually very lucky that um, everyone has taken the time to understand my journey and what this illness can do to me. They just go out of their way to make sure I'm okay. Um, And there's so many different examples of that happening. So there's too many to name, but I'm very lucky. I guess that I'm very grateful that because of my bravely sharing the ins and out of this 
ugly illness, um, I've been able to share my story in other platforms, not just the page. So um, I've been able to start a blog. I've done a radio interview. I've been on other people's pages and blogs. I've had my story shared in a university nursing class. I've done um, speeches in the local community at different Rotary clubs. Besides um, being able to share my story in different platforms, um, one of the things that keeps nagging at me to say, one of the things when I do share um, publicly, obviously there's a lot going on and um, sometimes it's really difficult. Yeah. But because of the friends that I've made and other people also showcasing their stories um, bravely because that's what we've, I think we all kind of come together to do because we want to share our story and feel less alone and have, I guess, that connection. Mm. Um, and one of the biggest things I think I took away after I started um, like sharing my story was one person I connected with online, she actually gave me a piece of advice that I should have said earlier and it was that to grieve for your body. And at first, this was when I was first diagnosed, so this meant a lot to me at the time um, and it's probably one of the biggest things I do advocate everywhere as much as I can. There is a sense of loss and there's a sense of like a loss of independence and productivity and um, your body's not the same. No matter, no matter how much you do to it um, to improve it, it's never really the same. There is a genuine sadness about that and it's okay to grieve for the body that you've lost and the, the memories you've been robbed of and the limitations that have been set because of the illness. But the biggest thing after grieving is to always pick yourself back up yeah. um, and keep fighting because um, at the end of the day, you're always justified in feeling upset that you've lost productive body and effortless body um but you know you've got to keep fighting through it and that's that's probably one of the biggest things I've also taken away from sharing my story um because I do actually put that on my page a lot like sometimes I do have a lot of down days and I've noticed that a lot of people try to encourage me um which is lovely but I've actually had to say in a couple of posts that like just let me have this day like just let me let me grieve a little bit. Just let me be sad. Like I understand you guys are trying to support me, but sometimes I just need to be able to to just be pissed off, really, yeah. um, that happening. And um, I know they all have felt the same way in their own lives, but I think they've just come to that mentality like, oh, I've got to help them. But sometimes I just need that safe space to share publicly that I'm angry and that I'm sad and then I'm grieving. And then the next day I'll be okay again. I guess my last thing about the best thing coming out of um, sharing my story is that I've kind of realised my own strengths and fighting spirit, which I didn't realise I really had one until I was put through all this shit. And then I was able to keep going as much as the odds were against me. I was able to keep... um, Keep, keep at it really if you could say one thing at all to people about chronic illnesses um well the first one that always comes to mind and I think that I'm really strongly um opinionated about is that sometimes chronic illnesses are invisible and just because you can't see it um doesn't mean it's not real and that it's not there yes um and that it really pays to be kind always because you don't know the battle that someone could be going through um that you can't see um, so it's just really, I guess, important to just, yeah, always be kind and um, understanding because you just don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say about your journey before we start to wrap up? I've obviously like summarised it as best as I could, but obviously there's there's a bigger story at play and there's always more details to everything. Yeah. But, you know, it has, I think my biggest thing is sometimes I feel like maybe people think that I'm well or that I've done really well for myself, which in some ways I have, but 
at the end of the day, like I still have a lot of bad days. And what I've realized is that because I've improved my body's endurance, I have more good days, but the bad days are more nasty now than when they used to be because they used to be more frequent back then, but I would bounce back, I think, quicker. Yeah. Um, Or I'd just always be in that that moment but now I think that because I'm able to do more my body once it's down it's down like that's it um and that could last for a couple weeks and then that with the onset of depression on top of that um Mm. that really bogs me down and you know I do showcase the story as much as I can to show people that you can still live your life around the illness and that there's like there's a lot of hope out there, you know, just to always keep fighting because it's taken, like I may showcase a lot of the good stuff, but it's taken a very, very, very long time to get where I am at this point. And I know that I still have a very long way to go. Like yeah. I'm not actually happy with where I am now. Like I would like to be a lot stronger and be able to do a lot more menial tasks as well um, that other people probably don't realise that I actually can't do without some kind of consequence. Yeah. Um, so just say cooking for an example, like that's such a simple task for some people, but I actually physically, there are some things I just cannot do without my body reacting badly. Um, so, and that could just be as simple as like stirring the pot, Yeah. like, um, you know, like stirring pasta and things like that, like that really, um, actually aggravates my muscle weakness in my arm. Um, and then I get a lot of pain as well that obviously travels further down my back as well. Um, and then I get the heavy feeling and then my arms start to shake. Like it's a very, um, horrible like task for such a tiny thing. Um, so things like that, like that's stuff that I want to work on in the future, um, to be well again in like just such tiny tasks so yeah like I'm improving as much as I can but I've still got a long way to go and um I recognize that it's not an easy fight as well like I've fought so hard to get where I am now but I feel like there's still a long way to fight to to get even better I think that that's going to take some time because of you know just where my body's at now and my um mental state Hmm. so yeah I just wanted people to recognize that I'm still got a long way to go and I'm I still plan on fighting it so last question how do you love the shit out of life Felicity so I love the shit out of life by remembering how far I've come since by like diagnosis um so not taking the good days for granted um which I think I've said already um I try to remember that I'm blessed um with my fiance my dog my family my in-laws my friends um, and really that they're the, they're all the reason that I choose to fight this illness and not let it overtake me or overcome my abilities. I love the share life by writing, um, because I'm a big writer and I'm actually doing my thesis project on illness, um, chronic fatigue syndrome. So, um, that's been really motivating at the moment. And, you know, I'm a singer, so I, I do like to sing a lot. Awesome. <laughs> um, and reading is another thing that anything that's, yeah, creative. I like my singing, my writing, my reading, my colouring in my Mandela's. I really like doing that. Awesome. It's a very calming, calming task that helps with um, my depression at times. And I guess just um, sharing my story and just, yeah, making sure everyone knows how grateful I am to still be here and to fight this illness. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast, Felicity. I have no doubt that you've been able to inspire some people out there with your story. So thanks again. Thank you for having me. 
for loving the shit out of life with me. Don't forget to like the How to Love the Shit Out of Life Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. And if you don't already have a copy of How to Love the Shit Out of Life, the book, you can purchase it now through most major bookstores. Till next time. Oh, 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 o